May I speak in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I really hope this is going to be a sermon about prayer and not about something else. And my injunction at that point is don't just switch off just yet. I appreciate that a bishop preaching about prayer is not really that surprising, or at least it shouldn't be that surprising, and that sermons about prayer are almost by their nature snoozeworthy. Um, I'm just going to ask you to hang on in there for a few more minutes. The reading we just heard, uh, which was fantastic, uh, has the disciples asking Jesus how to pray. And in Luke's gospel, which we've just had, we get the shorter version of the Lord's Prayer. The one in Matthew is a bit longer. And there you have, in a way, a a recipe for prayer, a model for prayer, a, a short prayer. So my question is this. Why does prayer so often go wrong for Christians? Why does prayer, in a way, become something that divides us rather than unites us? I'm going to pass on some observations here, and they may not always be comfortable. I meet people who are very visibly enthusiastic about vocal prayer, and I mean that not ironically. For them, their idea of prayer is best can be seen is to say, look, this is something we're called to do by God. It's something that we are. And then they might, especially in a, let's say they sat down with someone, they might bow their heads and start talking. And sometimes they talk a lot, a lot more than the prayer that Jesus gave us. And to an outsider, it might even sound like it's a one-sided conversation, not only with God, but with the other person present. That's one way which we might have experienced people praying with us. Yet at the other extreme, I meet people who almost tremble at the idea of extempore prayer. I could probably go to some other churches in our diocese and I could say, would you mind coming out and offering a prayer? And people would probably quake. For these people, their idea of prayer can best be seen as them maybe just being quiet on their own or maybe lost in some time of quiet worship. And for those people, the confident extempore prayers are almost like people from another planet. I think almost by inference, I've insulted almost everyone in this room. Uh, I just need to say I haven't finished yet. For my guess is, actually for many of us Anglicans, prayer itself, if we're honest, is a rather distant thing. Something we might expect of others. Ah, Charlie's a great prayer. As in, he can do that, don't expect it of me. It's something that we might do on particular occasions occasions. But as for prayer shaping our lives and deepening our relationship with God, well, let's be honest, 
many of us don't really expect very much of that at all. What do you expect of your prayers? What kind of regular pattern of prayer might you dare to adopt? At this point, you might have in your mind the kind of question about, well, what does prayer do? And you might hear it phrased in that age-old question, does prayer work? Well, I think we all know, and you may have heard this, God is not a divine slot machine. I hope you have heard that before. I want to say that God, in a sense, is even more than not a divine slot machine. He's positively against slot machines. In a sense, the idea that God is a divine slot machine has the idea that God is almost magical. Say the right kind of prayer with the right kind of intensity and anything will be yours is not actually that different from the Harry Potter world. I think God is unmagical. He's anti-magical. I've heard people say, please, dear God, and I appreciate, I'm going to, there's be some of you here might have offered this prayer. I'm not getting at you. I have a very particular person in mind. But please, dear God, in your good grace, give me a parking space. Is that how God works? He gives you a competitive advantage to the other person, the Muslim guy driving down the road, because you believe in God, and suddenly the parking space will appear for you and not for them. For this person in my family who does pray this way, she has also told me at times, oh dear God, you know, God makes our side of the motorway travel faster than the other side. What is going on there? How would British, this was a, it's in Britain, how would British motorways work if the Christians, again, had a competitive, competitive advantage on which side of the motorway they drove? I don't think that's how God works with us. It's not the kind of relationship God wants with us. In a way, this makes, this kind of prayer makes God the magician-in-chief, not God. I think, and I'm going to try and move on from this point here, but if you really believe that that is what God is, ultimately you're on a kind of ego trip of the worst or highest kind of order. These prayers are of the sort, dear God, you might not know this, but let me tell you, And this is what you should do. It's an inversion of the prayer that Jesus taught us. Equally, often, no, sometimes, and you may have experienced this, that kind of prayer is manipulative of the other person in the room. And we're not in the business of that kind of manipulation. And we must never dress it up as godly. Oh, I hope you're still listening. 
I really do, because I've got some good stuff to get to, but I did want to clear out some space along the way. Because I think some of you might be sat here thinking, oh my word, we've got a bishop here who doesn't believe in prayer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to be honest about what I think and experience prayer to be. It is not our job to manipulate God. It's our job to conform with God's will. I do believe that in prayer, you do get to see marvelous things happen in different ways. Prayer opens us up to a new world of reality. Prayer helps us see things, how things should really be. And if I may speak very personally, a few years ago, my wife, as some of you know, got breast cancer. I found that I did not pray for the cancer to go away. It just wasn't a prayer that came to my lips or my heart. But it wasn't that I wasn't praying. I was praying in the belief that prayer was good, that I might have the strength to support her, and praying that she might have the strength to come through this time of trial. And we asked other people to pray for us. But by golly, I'm not sure it would have helped if someone said pray for the cancer to disappear. We prayed for good doctors, and we give thanks for good doctors. So I'm still not convinced that praying for rain makes it any more likely that it's going to rain. And I need to tell you, if I got a dollar for every time someone said to me, hey, John, will you pray pray for rain? I'd be a very rich man. But praying for it to rain might open us up, might open us up to be more responsible with water, to be more mindful of the world around us, And strange things happen around those things. For me, the older I get, I'm now in my mid-50s, the older I get, the more prayer is about bringing in stillness into those vocal prayers. Being still in the presence of God. Not, in a sense, heaping word upon words. I try, and try my best to calm my unruly will that I might better listen to God. And through that discipline, I pray that my vocal prayers might be gentler, softer than the demanding ones of my youth. I'm going to tell you how to pray, even as Jesus has told us to pray. In the Church of England, they have on their website a mnemonic about how to pray. And I'm going to encourage you to do this when you go home today, tonight. I hope some of you know this. If I hold up my hand, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, well, I can teach you something. (laughs) This is from the Church of England. 
And this is about structuring these things that we do, these prayers that we do. The thumb is the strongest digit on your finger, on your hand. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God for the strong things in your life. Maybe your home and your family. For the relationships that support and nurture you. The index finger. The pointy finger. Pray for all those people and things in your life who guide and help you. Pray for your politicians. We should pray for our politicians. Our friends, our teachers, our doctors. Pray for your clergy. Please pray for your clergy. Middle finger. It is, at least on my hand, the tallest finger. It's a bit of a cheesy way of saying it, but pray for all the important people, people who have power and influence in the world, for world leaders and their governments, for the politicians, the royal family, if you're in the kind of person who prays the royal family. Remember, this is the Church of England. Pray for other world leaders and governments. What about the ring finger? The Church of England reckons this is the weakest finger on your hand. I would like to test that. But it can't really do much on itself, can it? Remember, and remember in your prayers, the poor, the weak, the hungry, the helpless, the sick, the bereaved. And lastly... The littlest finger. Offer a prayer for yourself. It's the right proportion. Pray for God's guidance. But even so, and I'm going to run through that again in just a minute, I'm going to add this. I was down at Burley Heads, and we were in a group praying. And one of the priests there was very quiet and prayerful, but didn't say very much. I said to him, you're very quiet. And he said, uh, Bishop, I do have two ears and just one mouth. I'll try and listen more than speak. So when you do go and pray, however you pray, bookend it, imbue it, drench it in quiet stillness. Listening to God. I was a school teacher many, many years ago. It's lovely being back in a school. I know that if I'm going to teach you anything about that Church of England guide to prayer, I need to go through it again. The thumb is the strongest finger in your hand. What should we pray for? Oh, you didn't know I was going to do this, did you? (laughs) The thumb is the strongest finger. What do we pray for? Were you listening? Yeah. Give thanks to God for all the good things, strong things in your life, like your family, like the people you love and care for, your friends. The index finger, the pointy finger, for all the people who guide you in your life. 
teachers, doctors, again, friends, those who give some guidance. The middle finger, the tall, big finger for most of us. Pray for the important people, people who have power. Pray for them. Politicians, pray for them. Governments. The weakest finger. Pray for those who need your prayers. Pray for those who are weak, for those who are ill, for those who are bereaved. And lastly, your littlest little finger. Pray for yourself. And as you do, bring in stillness and silence and listen for God. Amen.